You're listening to I Think I Like You, a podcast to help you make more sense of your dating life and romantic relationships. I'm your host, Clara Archbacher. I'm a dating and relationship advisor, I'm a writer, and I'm the founder of I Think I Like You, a coaching practice with self-led online programs, one-to-one coaching, and in-person retreats. I started this work because I found most dating advice and rhetoric to be doing women a grand disservice, largely by pulling us out of ourselves and stuffing our brains with other people's ideas and best practices. I want to do the exact opposite. I want to bring you more deeply into yourself in order to navigate this area of your life. I don't view marriage or long-term relationship as the be-all and all. That's not why I do this work. I do this work because I'm extremely passionate about helping women who feel completely stuck in this area of their life and are disenchanted with other resources from traditional therapy to BS, here's how you meet the guy plans. They know there has to be another way, but they're not sure what that way is. That's where we're digging in. If you like what you're hearing, I invite you to head to ithinkilikeyou.co to access more free resources and explore ways to work with me. I also send out exclusive content every other week through my online newsletter. And finally, you can always rate and review or pass the podcast to a friend. Now let's get to the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We are going to dive right in today because this question that I got from a listener, a follower is just, it's so good and there's so much stuff in here and I'm really excited to unpack it. So um, here we go. She wrote, you have touched on these topics in some episodes before, but I feel like much of the content surrounding how to cultivate self-trust and self-confidence is kind of oversimplified, condescending, bordering on toxic positivity. Oh my God. Yes, yes, yes. So any specific strategies you could share in how you work with clients on that would be so appreciated. I am almost 35 and have never dated or had sex. So it just feels like the shame and insecurity is a constant positive feedback loop. Let me know if I can provide more context, blah, blah, blah. Thank you for sharing your energy and wisdom. Um, You are so welcome. And this question is just so real. And it's layered. I'm going to break it down into two parts because there's like the lack of self-confidence, lack of self-trust piece, the way we kind of just try to layer over that with what she's talking about in terms of toxic positivity-esque social media content. And then there's the sex and dating piece of things. Um, I'm going to break it down uh, sex-wise but I'm also going to give you the framework for how you could apply this to any area of your life where you lack confidence and lack self-trust because, hello, we all have areas of our life <laughs> um, where we lack self-confidence and self-trust. The thing about building confidence, building trust in ourselves, building self-worth, like this is serious work. It takes time. And it can be very easy to feel like we're doing something by watching reel after reel or story after story or reading post after post with some truism about how we're supposed to feel. And we think, yeah, right, right. I'm going to believe that. But then it doesn't make us feel any better. And we don't actually do anything to integrate the belief. When I was thinking about this content and this episode, I often use the metaphor of like strengthening a muscle, but I was specifically thinking about my core. Like 
my core muscles, my ab muscles, like my core is stronger. I not only feel it pulling like my whole body together, but my posture is better. My mood is better. I sleep better. I feel better. I enjoy working out more. I'm sure there are all sorts of physical and hormonal reasons to this that I'm not going to go into, nor do I know. (laughs) Um, But just using it as the example of like, if I feel pulled together and strong in that way, and it's funny because I actually, um, I'll go through spells where it's usually on my period where I just like don't work out for like a week and I feel things kind of like slump. Um, And I'll specifically, I do a lot of yoga and Pilates, but I'm like, I need to get back to my core because everything feels like I kind of feel like I'm just like moping around the world. And yes, I also want to, I don't even know if it's about looking better at this point. It's really a mood thing. Anyway, when that's more solid, when there's a greater foundation, everything in my life just operates with more ease. I feel better overall. And and I think of confidence and trust in the same way. Like if we have a greater foundation of self-confidence and self-trust, then life is by no means easy or perfect, but it's smoother because less can shake us. And and dating and relationships and sex is a perfect example of that, but it can be be anything, right? If we have a greater sense of self, I find that language more helpful. We're more grounded in ourselves, a greater sense of self versus like confidence and trust, but work with whatever you want around dating relationships and sex, then that area of our life is just not as taxing. It's not as heavy. It's not as stressful and anxiety inducing. I find that material that starts with here's how to build more confidence and self-trust, whether it be specifically in the vein of sex or dating or just in general, to not be that helpful of an approach. I've always found it more helpful to come at the dilemma like from another angle, which is more to closely examine why do I lack confidence in this particular area? Why is it so difficult to trust myself in this area of my life? What do I believe to be true about myself in the realm of sex or dating? Like, what do I think I'm lacking? To me, the just do this to be more confident in bed or just do this to be more confident on a date is like, trying to paint over something or trying to spackle over something that at its core is already damaged. Like, I don't know if mice are eating the drywall from the inside out and you're like, we're just going to keep painting over this. It's like, no, you have to get rid of the mice or whatever it may be. Like the foundation needs to be fixed. The core element needs to be looked at. So that's why when, and I mean, this is much of what I, I deal with, with my clients. And it's certainly stuff that I've faced myself in the area of lacking self-trust and self-confidence and needing to build, build that up. But it starts with a really granular exploration, making space for, Ooh, tell me more about that. Like, why do you feel that way? So specifically, any area that they're like, I feel bad at this. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I know I'm doing this wrong or I'm scared to do such and such. And 
Um, I'm going to go more into sex because this follower brought it up. I know she also touched on dating, but I'm just going to work with one example. And it admittedly happens to be one that I very much relate to. Um, I can't remember what episode it is, but it's, it's back there. God, when was it? I want to see, was it, was it the end of last year? No, but at some point this year, I'll link to it in the show notes. It's one, it's titled like what a real sexual journey looks like. And I go more into my struggles there, but hence the reason I'm, I'm going to work with that example today, but I'm also going to give you a framework for how to work with it in other areas. As I said, um, it's also something I've worked with, with clients, especially I've worked with many a client who's well into their thirties and feels inexperienced sexually in exactly this same way that she's referenced, but age doesn't really matter. Like I wouldn't, if someone came to me and they were like, I'm 22, or I'm 54 and I feel inexperienced sexually. I wouldn't be like, oh, like, don't worry about it. You're young or you're like, I'm sure you're fine. You know, um, I wouldn't invalidate it, which is kind of a key element to what I'm going to talk about. Um, so for this woman in particular, if we were sitting down, I would start with really getting to know the nuance of her belief. I'm going to go back to what she wrote here, where she just said, you know, just even in the framing of like, I'm almost 35 and I've never dated or had sex. So in there, there is an implied idea that like, I should know how to do those things. Now, obviously, culturally, we are very much told that we should just know how to do those things. So for her specifically, what I would say is three, I would, I would go into like three different areas. The first being, what was the messaging around sex that you received growing up? How did your mother portray her body, her own sexuality, et cetera? If this was um, a male identifying individual, I would basically go to the gender of the parent that we identify with. And then I would ask the third one being, what do you think it means to be good at sex. And I, before I even go deeper into that one, I kind of want to apply it to, um, another, uh, category and example, just to, to show you guys, if you're listening and you're like, I really lack self-trust and self-confidence in these particular areas, how you can just apply it there. So with money, it would just be what messaging did you receive around money growing up? How did your family slash community handle money? What do you think it means to be good with money? The, the two, so I'm going to break it down with sex and then with money, because our ideas of what it means to be good at sex, in bed, in anything are so nuanced. Like for one person, it could mean like having an orgasm with intercourse or having their body look a certain way or being a really good kisser or knowing how to wear lingerie or like knowing how to initiate, like so many different ideas and things. And the same is true of money to be good with money, someone could say, oh, well, it just means you're wealthy. Of course, then what is wealthy? To one person, it could be $500. To another person, it could be $5 million, right? It could be someone who saves 50% of their income or who invests and understands the stock market, who owns multiple homes, who has credit cards, who doesn't have credit cards. Like it can mean so many different things. The key is you really want to get to know like 
what is it about you specifically like that has created this like story of not even a story because I know she's saying like, I don't feel confident in these areas of my life. I don't trust myself in these areas of my life. You really want to validate the lack of confidence and self-trust. I should also, I forgot to say in, in the sex piece of things, and I'm going to revisit these questions, but like obviously sexual assault um, or abuse needs to be taken into account. And that's a very nuanced subject that I'm just for the sake of like answering this question and talking more about self-confidence and self-trust. I'm not going to go too deeply into, but clearly that plays a role here. So what do I mean by validate? I, I was reminded of, um, a client who had similar feelings. And in the midst of all of this was recalling how in her schooling and her elementary education, uh, that abstinence was promoted. Like basically sex was vilified. And clearly this happens to a lot of people based on the nature of their education, religious background, all that kind of stuff. But she specifically remembered it in school. And she went so far as to like look up and this is the beauty of the internet, like the teachings from that state in that county around sex to just understand like, what kind of messaging did I receive? What you know, what was planted into my brain? Because if someone at say, you know, age 35 or whatever is saying like, I don't feel confident in sex and dating, then the person who's like, well, I had this experience in early education is going to have a, a different understanding of how they ended up in that spot versus the person that was like, well, I didn't have any of that education. I, I'm someone that didn't have any of that. Sex was an open subject, so to speak. You know, it was open in certain ways. Um, And yet, you know, I still ended up in somewhat of a similar position. So the reason I say validate is that you want to understand what created this feeling within me. Because it's like working with a small child. and, And really it is in a lot of ways, because most of these beliefs were implanted when we were, were very young. But we want to be able to, to look at the scenario and say like, oh my God, of course, of course you would have a complex relationship with your sex, sexuality. Of course that would lead you to lack confidence and self-trust in this area of your life. Of course that would lead you to not want to have sex or be resistant to sex or be scared of it. Like we really want to honor that. And I, I think that you know, when we jump to these platitudes, it's another angle of this, which I love how she noted that toxic positivity is that we think that we should just be able to strong arm these beliefs, right? But if there's a very, I'm say wounded part of us where all this that got created to then just be like, I was thinking about this. Um, I don't know if we read something that's like all types of sex make good sex or something like that. That's very simplified. But we read that and we're like, okay, sure, right, yeah. But then we don't go back and deal with what's at the core. That's why I think like the foundation of a house, right? If we don't go and deal with what's at the root, then like there, there isn't going to be a sustainable change. We aren't actually going to 
increase our sense of self and our self-confidence and our self-trust. We aren't going to strengthen the foundation. And so again, when I work with clients, I help them to be really, really tender with themselves around the areas that they feel like they don't know what they're doing or they're behind or they feel stupid. They feel shame. Um, so I just want to go back and repeat those, those questions because they're like these inroads. So again, if I were sitting down with this woman and she's like 35, never had sex, never dated, I feel super behind, stupid, lack confidence, lack self-trust. I'm not saying she said she feels stupid, but just all the things like whatever comes up, I would slow it down and say, can you talk to me about how sex was talked about or witnessed as a kid? Like, what was it like in your household? And then how did your mother portray her body, her own sexuality? And we'd go really, because, you know, what she might say is like, well, my mom never talked about sex. Okay. But I do remember when my mom would watch this show on television and she'd have a certain reaction and think it was disgusting that that woman showed cleavage, like these little bits and pieces would start to come out. That's what we want to mine for. And then the third question, which these questions are so layered. You could, you could just work with one and that would be helpful. What do you think it means to be good at sex? Right? So again, I, I, I went through some examples before, but generally it equates to, and I'll use myself as an example here. Well, what it means to be good at sex is to always have an orgasm every single time with every single guy. Because if I'm holding a belief that I'm not good at sex, then I'm going to make it so that being good at sex is the opposite of what I'm capable of, or it's in conflict with the way I am. So if being good at sex means you had sex for the first time at 18 or 25 or 22, like whatever it is, that could then be fueling like, I'm not good at this because I'm this age and I've never done it. And really being very tender with all of the messaging that we receive around this. So again, those those questions, those areas of exploration work to build a case almost of like, of course it would have shaken out for you that way, which then allows us to validate the feelings of shame and then be more tender with them. And that's where if we if we created some space for her to feel like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, this this all played a role and I didn't have control over how my parents were or what this boy did to me in seventh grade or what I learned in school or what my friends were doing or what have you. Then we can start to explore like, huh, so you've kind of been fed all this stuff. Like, what would it look like to start to create some of your own beliefs. What about all this? Do you want to kind of like, do you don't want to agree with you want to leave behind? What would it look like to start to flip some of these narratives that you've created that you're not sexy or not good in bed, or you don't know what you're doing? Where this is the key one, where are you? We, I mean, we're all doing this in some way in our lives, (laughs) really engaging in like black and white thinking. I've had to do a lot 
of this myself in decoupling having an orgasm with being good in bed. Like being good in bed, being good at sex, being sexy. I have had to look at that and say like, hmm, well, there was a lot that fueled me from my own history, my own upbringing, my own experience that led to the beliefs that I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not sexy and I'm not good in bed. And it was by way of pulling apart that story and really understanding where those things formed and then decoupling certain truths about myself from like, you know, like, well, just because I didn't have an orgasm that time doesn't mean that I'm not good in bed or I don't know what I'm doing or I can't have fun or I can't experience pleasure. This is a very active effort. (laughs) This is what I mean about the platitudes. Um, And just as an aside uh, for anyone, specifically in the realm of sex, specifically for this listener, one of the most helpful books I've ever read, it's pretty clinical in nature, but it's really helpful is called Transforming Sexual Narratives, dun, dun, dun. Um, which hello, we were talking about narratives. So once we start to validate our struggle and like really examine what created this state, that's when things start to change internally. That's where like, we're like, wait, oh, I've never thought about it in that way. Or yeah, like that would make sense for me. I don't think that immediately equates to self-confidence and self-trust. Like it's more incremental. It's something that happens over time. Like for this listener, she might hear this episode and then start to journal on one of the questions or think about it and be like, huh, oh yeah, yeah. And that might lead her to like, go listen to some other podcast that has to do with sex. And that opens the door a little bit more. Or maybe she'll get the book that I referenced here and she reads 10 pages of it, but not the whole thing. But that's like really huge for her. Like it opens up some, you know, it's these incremental steps that start to change these beliefs about ourselves. But that's why I come back to like the example of our core, like with consistent effort, with consistent tending to, with consistent like tenderness to understanding this thing within ourselves, That's what starts to lift the shame. And that's what starts to build more of a like, hmm, well, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not so bad at this. I, I always think of like a volume dial because you can, you know, really incrementally bring up the volume of something. And I think that is where slowly over time, our self-confidence and our self-trust is something that just gets dialed up and dialed up and dialed up. If we tend to it in this way is my feeling versus, you know, resources on how to become more confident. And that's, that's a generalized statement. Like, I don't think everyone that's talking about ways to become more confident or ways to build self-trust. Clearly I'm not the first person that was like, come at this from, come at it from this angle. Right. Um, it's more of the, um, content she was speaking about on social media, which I I do think is really unhelpful. Um, So yeah, it is the exploration of the beliefs in any of this, whether we're talking about lack of confidence in money, lack of confidence in our profession, lack of confidence in our 
homes, in our bodies, in our cooking skills, like (laughs) insert whatever here that will then pave the pave the way to shifting the beliefs. I, for the last few years, was like really hung up on this idea. And I'm honestly still kind of working through it where for James and myself, I was like, we have to own a rental property. We have to own a rental property. Why was I so obsessed with this? Well, because I had all these narratives of like, well, that would be a good investment. And over time, we, you know, we could earn rental income and we could manage it ourselves. So we wouldn't have to pay a management company and we could, um, Oh, part of that was like, well, maybe we move into a different house and we'll rent out ours because it's a really valuable house and in a good location, we could get rent that's that's way more than our, than our mortgage. And like, I, I was on this jag so hard when all the while, like I wasn't even considering like, I don't want to leave my house yet. I don't want to rent it out. <laughs> I don't want to live in this way. And so really a lot of that... <sighs> internal just like conflict and rumination was fueled by this idea I had around what it would mean if we owned another property, what it would mean about our finances if we owned another property, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure many of you were listening to this and being like, that doesn't make sense (laughs) because there's a lot of research that shows like it's actually better to invest in the stock market than it is property. The point being, it's very emotional in nature. It's very rational in nature. So the more we take time to go deeper on what's creating these states, so go deeper on the feeling of like, I'm 35, I've never dated, I've never had sex. I have a sense, I don't know much about this woman's history. I don't know anything about this woman's history, but generally, like, I'm sure she's working with a lot there that made it so that she, that going into those areas of her life were dangerous, didn't, didn't feel good. They didn't feel good in some way. And like the bodies were we're focused on self-preservation. The brain and the body are focused on self-preservation and protecting ourselves against certain feelings. So again, that validation piece. But it's when we scratch the surface that we start to look deeper. We start to understand, oh, this is what's creating all of that, that we can start to shift things internally and make it less like, here's how I build the confidence. Here's how I build the self-trust. That's a byproduct. It's a byproduct of that work. So there you have it, y'all. Um, this was a fun one because it got me thinking about my own habits in self-confidence and self-trust and all that good stuff. Uh, and if you want to submit a question like this, I can't take them all, but um, there's some really good ones. Just drop a DM to at I think I like you.co on Instagram. And as always, if you're loving the show, rate or review on Spotify or iTunes, that would be so deeply appreciated. All right, y'all. Have a wonderful week. <laughs>